This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up here later in the show, we're going to be talking about cryptocurrencies. It has been the hot topic as of late because it's just been so volatile in the cryptocurrencies. Our guest tonight, Eugene Grainer from heartlandinvest.com, actually a while ago said, be aware, Bitcoin's going to be trading in the 30s. And people thought, no, no way. So he predicted it. He's going to share with you why and sort of what's next in the crypto world. So if you're part of that, uh, you're going to love it. Even if you're not, you're going to learn a lot about why it's such a hot topic these days. Uh, before we introduce our first guest tonight, just want to remind you, set your calendars, all right? Because from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. next week, every single day, Monday through Friday, you can join me on AM 1100 The Flag, or if you're out in Williston on KTGO 1090. So it's going to be great because you can call into the show. You and I can banter back and forth. You can share your points of view on any topic you want. And so uh, please mark that in your calendar next week, every day, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on AM 1100, the flag and KTGO 1090. Should be interesting. I haven't done radio for a very, very long time, so it's going to be fun. And uh, we're just going to go in there and kind of have a party. It'll be a party on the radio. So looking forward to chatting with you next week. All right. Our first guest tonight, you actually may recognize him once I introduce him. He was recently on the Kelly Clarkson show. He's been on Fox News. He's been on CNN recently, and he's doing some amazing things down in Georgia to develop young men as virtuous young leaders. And these are you know young men that are in high school and whatnot, coming from juvenile detention. Some of them, believe it or not, weren't able to read when he first started working with them. And this young gentleman is only 21 years old. He served in our armed forces. So um, God bless him for and thank you to him for his service. But we're going to talk a little bit about what King Randall I is doing to develop these young men, to empower them and create outstanding future leaders. Here's some of my conversation with King. Uh, I know you've got some big, big news that's been happening. So let's just start there. Recently, you were on the Kelly Clarkson show today. You bought 40 acres. You've got the school going. Give us an update, sir. Absolutely. Uh, well, right now we're kind of just moving, moving forward um, with all the things, with all the plans that we've had. Uh, we're still planning on opening the school this fall. Um, we're also planning to use the 40 acres that we just purchased uh, to do wilderness training, uh, teach our boys how to grow their own food, as well as uh, opening a fresh food market on that side of town, seeing that it's a food desert and there are no grocery stores on that side of town for that community. Um, but right now, we're just kind of moving forward with all the things uh, that we're doing. Um, right now, I've been doing a lot of promotion uh, for the program. So I've kind of taken a little pause um, working with the children so I can kind of promote. So when we go into our summer program, the X for Boys uh, Homes for Heroes project um, will be like all the way in with that. Um, so during the month of June and July, I'll be, uh, well, the months of June and July, I'll be completely busy because the boys will be building two houses uh, for two homeless veterans. Uh, so that's what we'll be doing during the summertime. But right now, we're just kind of full steam ahead and uh, just trying to get everything taken care of. So people that aren't familiar with the Extra Voice program, tell us a little bit more about it, uh, what your, I guess, goal, mission is with it, and then how people can support you. Absolutely. Um, our uh, motto is let us make man. And so uh, the X for Boys uh, is a program that I started in 2019 when I was 19 years old. Uh, we started this program to teach young men uh, the basic skill trades, uh, how to work on cars and houses. We've also uh, teaching young men uh, how to read. Uh, reading comprehension is a big uh, issue where we live um, and children don't know how to read and write. 
Um, so we have a book club that we do. We also try to make sure children get into uh, different sports. We have a bowling team as well. And um, of course, when the school starts, we'll be doing um, different sports um, besides basketball and football and all the regular sports. We're trying to do things like lacrosse and um, um, professional billers and things like that. We try to make sure the children get into different sports as well. Um, but this program is aimed at helping um, young men uh, reach their full potential, especially for those young men who don't have any father figures in their lives. I know a lot of people are impressed with me at my age, you know, and the things that I do, but I always tell them, you know, I had father figures growing up. I had many men, you know, in my life growing up that helped me to become who I am today. So I believe, you know, it wouldn't be such a surprise if other young men had father figures in their lives. So I want to kind of, you know, bridge the gap there and make sure that our young men are getting those father figures in their lives um, with this school and with our program. So one of the things I just learned about you, um, did you serve in the armed forces? Yes, sir. I was a Marine. Thank you for your service. So tell us a bit about that experience and how you're taking that discipline into these young men's lives. And when you talk about developing young men, I guess for me right now, what I'm focused on is a like character development, building virtuous young men. What, what are you trying, what kind of seeds are you trying to plant into their hearts? Absolutely. Uh, well, for the most part, I use the discipline program that we learn in the Marines. Um, and right now, you know, people are always asking how are, how am I able to, you know, uh, discipline the boys so good and how are they able to listen to me when I'm just a few years older than them? Not to mention that all my boys are bigger than me. Even my little brother, he's like six. <laughs> I'm only five, seven. And um, all of my boys are bigger than me. I got kids six, four, six foot, five, eleven. These kids are huge. Um, but all of them are bigger than me, but they all have a respect for me, you know, to a point where they they're overprotective of me as well. Um, so for the most part, you know, I just try to make sure I'm remaining consistent with my discipline, um, being consistent in their lives and not, you know, coming in their lives and dropping out and coming back in their lives and dropping out, you know, kind of like some people do. I try to make sure I remain consistent with them and also making sure they know they have me for the rest of their lives. Uh, so I just want to make sure that we're dropping, you know, the seeds in their lives, not just uh, directly, but indirectly. A lot of children are learning innately. So sometimes they just have to be around some men in order to learn a few things or learn how to operate or learn how to maneuver through life. Sometimes, you know, these all, all lessons aren't taught just directly. You know, some of them are taught, you know, indirectly with children just watching on the men that they're around because many boys try to mimic the men that they're around. And so sometimes they may be good men or bad men and um, they end up, you know, emulating um, who they're around the most. And I want to make sure that they're around the positive male influence um, in their lives. I want to ask you this. Um, I was recently at a high school and, and did kind of a roundtable form uh, with young men, young women. And one of the things that really jumped out to me, King, was as I would ask questions, it was always the young women that were raising their hands. Hey, I'll, I'll jump in that conversation. Yeah, I want to talk. And the guys kind of just sat back. In fact, there were a couple of young men, you know, there that I was like, hey, why are you taking this? Court? And they're like, I don't even know why I'm here. And I was a little concerned, like, wow, we're getting our tails whooped right now by these young women. What's mm -hmm. the biggest challenge you see facing the young men you're dealing with? And, and these are young men that I think are coming out of juvie and things of that nature. But so what are some of the challenges that they're having and what are you doing to help embolden them? Um, well, the, the number one and number two biggest issues I have with our children is anger management and um, illiteracy. I think those are the two biggest issues we have um, with our boys that I see. Um, a lot of our boys are very angry. Um, and just because of the many things that they went through in their lives, I have children, you know, who've been molested. I have children who, you know, didn't have any parents at home who were trying to fend for themselves. I have children, uh, you know, some parents don't like to see them eat. And I mean, we have many different issues that our children deal with. I don't even really want to discuss. Um, but a lot of them are angry. And so we'll wonder, oh, how is this kid? Well, a 17-year-old go shoot somebody or or go stab somebody or something. I'm like, these children, it took them 18 years to get that way. It took them 17 years to get that way. 
Um, so sometimes I, I look at, you know, I look at it with a sympathetic, with a sympathetic lens um, when I'm looking at, you know, these crimes that our youth are committing, because I'm just like, what happened in their lives that made them get to this point? Um, nobody really ever asks that question. It's always, oh, you know, lock them up, that's a criminal, et cetera. But I'm just like, what, what happened in their lives and how can we prevent this from happening to other children? Um, so that's extremely important. And of course, illiteracy, our, our schools are not really teaching our children how to read. They're passing through. Um, I dealt with that in my first year of summer camp. The children, you know, were having trouble reading and writing. I had kids who couldn't even read like simple cat and dog, you know, and these children are in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, 10th grade. I'm just like, how are you children passing through school and you can't read and write? That was absolutely absurd to me. Uh, so I started a book club uh, to help them with that. And of course, um, with anger management, you know, I, again, I remain consistent with the discipline and also trying to foster a, a, a happy environment for them to be in, uh, for them to get used to, you know, being loved and being cared for. Because sometimes they just they aren't used to that and they they live their lives having to survive and not thrive. So I think those are the two biggest issues. I'll say anger management and literacy. Boy, I, I want to get to the literacy thing in a moment, but you were reading my mind because one of the things I want to talk to you about is you don't have a Ph.D. in psychology, correct? No, sir. Do you have a, are you a doctor? No, definitely not. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a doctorate in any field of mental health or anything of that nature? I don't think I'm old enough for a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're getting, I guess, what, what I think is so fantastic, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're doing is you're showing up with a Christ-like love and just saying, hey, I'm just going to love you guys. And that in and of itself is making a tremendous impact on these young men's hearts. Is that a fair assessment on my part? That's literally it. Yes, sir. <laughs> So talk to us more about just the impact. Because I think many people think, oh, I need to have a doctor. I need to be like, honestly, the thing I see with young people is you just go love them and they they start to change. So walk us through some of the things that you're doing there and how you're doing that. Absolutely. Uh, well, I just call it the do something plan. I know so a lot of people are always asking, well, how could I you know, get into this or how, how does you start? I'm just like, I just simply decided to get up and do something. Um, the first few workshops I did, I literally made the flyers on my phone on the Canva app. And I went and printed them out at my local library and at one of our local print shops. And I just went to I walked around to different basketball practices and football practices, passed out flyers. I went and stapled them on uh, restaurant bulletins and things like that. I emailed churches and I got children to be able to come to our different workshops, uh, even with our different field trips. Same thing. I just made little flyers on my phone. And I made it happen. So sometimes it's, it's, it's not really like this big thing you got to do or have a, a plan to go through to make it happen. Sometimes you just do something. I even tell people to do something small. You know, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, something large scale. I tell people to go give a dollar to that homeless person you tell no every day or go find a child that you see walking back and forth to school every morning and, and find their parents and ask them, can you take them to school and mentor them, talk to them, you know, be, be a light in their lives. You know, just do something. It doesn't have to be anything large scale. It could be something. Um, and I think that's extremely important for our uh, our communities to know, because if everybody did something positive at least once in their day, um, every day, I think we'd be in a better place. Faith, I'll give you the last word. Just I think most importantly, how can people help you? What can people do? Absolutely. You can visit the xforboys.org. That's T-H-E, the letter X, F-O-R-B-O-Y-S.org uh, to see all of our different updates, to see uh, how you can figure out to well, donate. Um, you can also go in there to see all of our pictures in our gallery, see all the things we've taught the boys. And also you can go there to see how to volunteer. I mean, we'll um, put you in our volunteer uh, tab and we'll make sure we have you uh, down to volunteer. But I always in every show that I go on with one um, quote from one of our local hometown rappers. His name is Cantrell. He says, obstacles are optical illusions. They're not really there. Jump high anyway. Jump high just in case. 
Can you give me the real quick? We're not victims. We're victorious too. I love, I love when you say. Yeah, that. we're not victims. We are victorious. Yep. <laughs> All right, brother. We appreciate it. Keep up the great work. We look forward to having you back. And maybe next time we can bring some students along with you. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, King. God bless, bud. Thank you so much to King for his time and insight there. Fascinating, fascinating program that he's doing. So hopefully uh, we'll continue to follow him and bring you some more great information about what he's doing to make a difference in people's lives and in our world. All right, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to dive into the cryptocurrency conversation. Eugene Grainer's had some big predictions there. He's going to tell you why he made those predictions and then share with you his point of view on where he believes things are going should be a fascinating conversation. As always, please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.